Welcome, everybody, to the Nuggets of Gold podcast. Um, Today, I'm with Jake, and this is going to be a little bit of a weird episode. Obviously, the Jets game was probably the worst 31-13 victory ever. (laughs) I mean, when you have the massive amount of injuries that the 49ers sustained, and you have probably the the second worst guy to get hurt, I think, would be Nick Bosa, just because the draft capital, he's comes out as a rookie has a fantastic season looks like he's going to be a perennial defensive player of the year candidate throughout his career and then in the second game of his second season goes down with the knee injury probably the just an absolutely devastating blow and so it's it's just a weird time to be rooting for the 49ers and stuff just because you don't want to see this And, and also it wasn't just it wasn't just nick Raheem goes down. He has an MCL sprain, and he's going to miss a few weeks. Obviously, Jimmy has a high ankle sprain. They said that he might miss four to six weeks. Not really sure on how long that's going to be. Sounds like Solomon Thomas is out for the year with an ACL just like Bosa. Um, Also, who is it? Tevin Coleman has a knee injury, but seems like he's fine. Even Drake Ringlaw went down. Uh, Is it Kerry Hyder? Yep, he went, Kerry Hyder. Yeah, he went down. But both those guys seem fine. All those guys seem fine. But it, just a ton of injuries. Really one of the weirdest days of watching football. Saquon Barkley goes down. McCaffrey's down. Even Dak missed a play. And that was like, oh, my God, Andy Dalton's in the game. That was only one play just because he got kind of popped. But kind of a sad day for the NFL. Um, I don't know if I told you this, Jake, but I said, like, at the beginning of the year, like, there's probably going to be so many more injuries this year. Because the lockout season, which was, what, 2010 or 2009, something like that. Yeah. They, it was like three times the amount of injuries or some, some, some absurd number, like three times in the first four weeks of the season. And it's because there's, no, there's not a lot of training camp. Uh, I don't know how much the preseason has an effect, like the actual preseason. But I think it's really more about they don't have the full camp. They don't have the mini camp. They don't get to, you know, do some hit like drills and stuff like that. And they just don't get used to it. Um, the other reason why this was so weird is because the players were complaining that the turf was spongy. And it also came out that they, the MetLife stadium had apparently like put in some, like they put in new turf this off season. Um, and week one, one of the Steelers offensive linemen also tore his ACL. And they said that the like they used these like heating elements under the field, and they changed how they did the turf. So I don't know how much of a factor that has. The the players seem pretty upset about it. DJ Jones tweeted out something like like we can't play on this turf. Um, Jake, quick question for you: Do you think that there's any way that the Niners want to bring George Kittle back next week on this turf with a banged up knee? Because I think that they're I think they're going to be like, hey, we do not want to play on this turf. There's something wrong with it either fix the turf or we're not going to play in this field. Like, let's go somewhere else and play. Yeah, well, for two reasons, I don't see that happening. Uh, Number one is because um, if, let's just say, for some reason, circumstances stay the way that they are. um, I mean, Jordan Reed filled George Kittle's role, like, to a T last week, or this week, I guess, uh, during the Jets game. So there almost is no rush, especially against that weak Giants defense. Um, 
but uh, they have said that uh, they are sending NFL officials out to evaluate the grass. So my guess would be because of the no fan situation, we're either going to be moved to an alternative site or that grass in that field is getting completely gutted and, uh, you know, in a week's worth of time. And we'll see if that makes any kind of difference. But yeah, I mean, most of these guys with, with injuries, uh, I, I don't foresee them coming back if we are playing on that MetLife turf again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so for this episode, we're going to try to be positive, as positive as you can be after a, a Nick Bosa, pro, probably a Nick Bosa season ending injury. Haven't quite got that like completely clarified yet, but Kyle Shanahan said that he likely did tear his ACL. So um, Nick, one thing to say, Nick, get better. Uh, we we want to see you back out there in 2021. I mean, hopefully it's a sprain. I don't think that's going to be the case. We're going to kind of approach this episode like it's not. But this episode is going to try to be pretty positive. But before we kind of get into the positive side, I do want to say that losing Nick Bosa is detrimental to the Super Bowl hopes that this team has. Does it mean that they don't have a chance? No, it does not mean that. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that are like, oh, their Niners are done. I do not I do not agree with that at all. I think that there was a, a clear four top teams in the league, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Niners, the Saints. Those are the four best rosters, good coaching, all of that. I don't think the Niners are in that anymore. I think they're they're not one of those top teams. I think there's a top three teams now, uh, a clear top three teams now. Um, and even the Saints don't have Michael Thomas right now, but he only has an ankle sprain. He'll be back. So having no Nick Bosa is going to be just a massive blow. Another guy that's going to be a massive blow, obviously Jimmy, we'll get into Jimmy. He's going to be back. But another guy that's a big blow that is underrated is Raheem Mostert, who has just been torching defenses. And, yes, he's a running back. Yes, the other running backs in the scheme are able to do well. Kyle Shanahan has a fantastic running scheme. But Mostert does it so well because he is so damn fast. That 80-yard run, it looks like both the – I think it's a safety and either a linebacker or a corner. They have the angles on Raheem, and he outruns their angles. You, that, that looks like something from high school football. You don't see that in the NFL very often, if, if at all in a game. Like most of the time, if you have a, an angle out of bounds, the player cutbacks or does something, they don't just outrun other NFL safeties. And it was the Jets and – so like you can take some stuff away, I guess. But Raheem is going to be a big loss. Um, Coleman mentioned that he was hurt. I think we're going to see a lot of Jet McKinnon moving forward. But these are just massive blows. So we do want to emphasize, like, hey, we recognize that this is not ideal in any way and that it does really affect the Super Bowl hopes. But I still think this team will make the playoffs. I really do. I, I think the only I think there will be a playoff caliber team. I think the only way that they don't make the playoffs, one is if Nick Mullins is just atrocious, and two is if the division. I mean, because right now the division, everyone in the division is two and zero except for the Niners. They're one and one. If the division just outperforms them and the Niners lose, don't make it on like one game back from someone within the division, or they miss a tiebreaker or something of of that nature, but. Jake, what what are you kind of feeling like? What what is your like? Are you optimistic about this year still? Because I'm I'm pretty optimistic still. Yeah, I, I'm pretty optimistic, and uh, we were talking a little bit before the show about uh, just the kind of team we have. Look, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, we have a guy, you know, probably I think over ten or fifteen guys hurt right now, or 
you know, some form of banged up. I mean, you can go look at the injury report. It's lengthy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm still optimistic. Uh, when you look at the upcoming schedule, you get the Giants, you get the Eagles, you get the Dolphins. Um, I, I think at least in those three weeks, let's just assume Jimmy for sure isn't coming back in those three weeks there. If you go two and one, you're happy. That's, I think that's kind of the expectation. You should be beating at least two of those teams with, you know, maybe one upset. Uh, you know, maybe a team like Philadelphia gets some of their, you know, stars back and we're, we're just not on our game with Mullins, whatever. Maybe a game like that you lose. If he goes 3-0 and in that stretch, you're ecstatic. And then obviously on the negative side would be he's just absolutely horrible. You're, you know, you go 1-2 and or 0-3, which would be a nightmare situation. And at that point, you're kind of looking more towards a draft pick than you are at, you know, the playoffs. But Again, I'm optimistic that's not going to happen. I think we go at least two and one in the next three games. And then, you know, at that point, we'll be evaluating week to week on where Garoppolo is and where Mostert is and, uh, you know, Sherman and we'll have Debo back. And so you start getting what happens is you start getting almost like reinforcements. You know, we're, we're you know, if, if we play good football these next two or three weeks, it's like, holy shit, you know, we just played some of our best football these three weeks, and now we're getting guys back. And I think that's scary for the rest of the league. If we can hang around the NFC West with all these injuries and then we start getting guys back, I don't think the NFL wants to see that. Yeah, I, I entirely agree. And, and one thing I want to bring up is think about the Niners last season and the thing that always stood out to me about – all of their guys, and Jimmy too, is how resilient of a team they are. They had injury after injury, and it was always, you know, no excuses, next man up, and, and they get it done. Now, Bosa, no Bosa, I mean, you look at it right now. It's no Kittle, no Bosa, no Sherman. Like, literally, like, half the team is gone. <laughs> but but Kittle's, Kittle should be back against the Giants. Um, it seems like they'll figure out the turf situation. He will be back. Jimmy has a high ankle sprain. They said four to six weeks, but I don't know if that's a true four to six weeks. It sounds like it's like four to six weeks, but, but Jimmy played for a quarter and a half with that ankle. So if, if Nick Mullins comes out and they barely beat the Giants and they lose to the Eagles, we might see him a lot sooner than he, than he could come back just because J- Jimmy's a, a very competitive player and he's a tough dude. He is a very tough dude. So I don't know how that's going to work out. You, you don't see a receiver come back early from the sprained ankle, but we've seen quarterbacks do it time and time again. We saw Rodgers a couple years ago where he gets injured against the Bears, then has one of the best comebacks I've ever seen on Sunday Night Football week one. That was, I think, two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, but but we, just, we just see that stuff all the time. So I want to talk about how resilient this team is, and I want to start with the defense. It's all about the hot boys on the defense. It, it definitely is, I think – this team last season they won because their defensive line was dominant and it led to one of the greatest pass defenses in the NFL history. And if you don't realize that it's, it was the best pass defense since the Revis jets. So the statistics back that up and they even had some injuries last year, but this year I think that we're going to see a little bit different of a, like a, the defense is going to operate different. It's not going to be a, we're going to dominate you with our pressure. No, it's going to be like, we're going to be a, a very good defense, 
not one not one of the best maybe not the best in the league maybe not a top five but it I think still a top 10 defense top 15 defense a, be, a better defense than most and I think that it's going to be Fred Warner Quan Alexander Drake Greenlaw that group establish establishing that they are one of the very best linebacking groups in the league if not the best linebacking group um so I think it's all about the hot boys on defense Jake what, what do you think well, I, I first, before I even touch on my, the linebacking core, I, I just want to, like, shift real quick to the defensive line because, yeah, okay, you lose Ford, you lose Bosa. Um, you know, Ford should be coming back pretty soon, um, so that's not too big of a concern for me. And we also just signed or, you know, are projected to sign Ziggy Ansah. So, I mean, this is a D-line group that is still better than 15 other D-line groups in the league. Like you have Kinlaw, you have Armstead, you have um, D Ford, you have DJ Jones. You're going to get Ronald Blair back pretty soon. Like this is still a nasty group. So for people who are bummed about Bosa, um, you know, maybe, maybe Bosa's production on the edge will be supplemented by a combination of Armstead and uh, in Ansa, who knows? You know, that's me being wishful, but I, I do think that, you know, it's not out of the question to, um, to pr- project something like that. And then, uh, yeah, what, what you were saying about the linebacking core is 100% true. Um, I mean, I said it to you on Twitter probably about a month or two ago. One of my hot takes for, you know, who are the top five most important players to our team's success I put number five as Quan Alexander because it just feels like the defense is different when he's on the field. There's a juice, there's an energy, and he's been such a big part of that team. Um, just he, he's flying around the field. He's hitting guys, even if, you know, even if he's not tackling them or bringing them down, he's putting, you know, bodies on them. And he's firing them up. And, and that's so important, especially in the COVID era season that we're in, because a lot of teams get their juice from the crowd. You can't do that this year, uh, you know, with, with what's going on around the world. So having him on defense not only helps juice up the defense, but it also helps just in general for that linebacking core. I feel like Greenlaw and Warner both play a lot more uh, comfortably when he is the other linebacker on the outside, as opposed to uh, Aziz being out there. Yeah, that that's a, he's big. I mean, he's the guy that they, I know that they walk around with footballs, all the, all the linebackers. And the whole point is like, you want to feel the ball. So you take it away, you get picks, you do stuff like that. He's definitely brought a mindset to the team. And there's a lot of defenses that have big injuries. And so what I want to bring, what I want to bring up is the Steelers defense. Ryan Shazier goes down. He's probably the best player on that team. Maybe you could say Cam Hayward was at that time. Um, But they don't ever seem like they've had a bad defense under Mike Tomlin. I don't really, I've never thought of them like, Oh yeah, their defense isn't, is bad. Maybe it's not the best at times. They take a step back, you know, you take a step forward. That's how defenses typically are there there's a lot of injuries that happen on the defensive side I mean there's a lot of injuries in football in general but how good are you when okay this guy goes down are these other guys going to step up Ronald Blair is a guy that can do that last season the 49ers they well I guess two years ago 
they picked up Armstead's fifth-year option. And that was looked at as like, why would you do that? Kind of odd. I don't think he's worth that money. You could have signed him for cheaper. It paid off. And then they extend him after that. This last year, they did, they, they did that with Blair. Blair's kind of their guy this year of like, yeah, we're going to hang on to him. Or like a Jimmy Ward, that, that type of move where it's like, yeah, we, we still believe in this guy. We're going to sign him. We're going to keep him on the, on the team. He's going to have a chance. Ronald Blair, and, and he's on pup right now. So he's another guy that's hurt, which is super unfortunate. But if he comes back, he was playing really well last year before he tore his knee. And he tore his knee on, what, a sack of Russell Wilson outside the pocket? He caught him from behind? So, yeah. So this, this guy's he's a good player, you know? Uh, they signed Ziggy Ansa, who the defensive line coach is very familiar with. And so, so I don't know how good Ziggy's going to be. Ziggy's had a ton of ankle injuries and just not the best career. But they have guys on the inside. Hyder's flashed a ton through the first couple weeks. I – I believe he led the team in snap, the defensive lineman in snaps. So that's massive. And he's looked very good. But but this defense, like, it's not like this defense should just be bad. Our team's probably no. gonna our team's probably gonna score more on them. Yes. Are they gonna suffocate offenses and quarterbacks as much? No. But they can make a lot of plays. They can get a, they can still generate a lot of turnovers. And if you can generate a lot of turnovers, then your defense is giving you as good of a chance as any. And if, you, and if your offense can then come in and be a great offense, because I've said I think the Niners should have a top, top two or three offense this year. Like, they should be like a top three lock on offense. And even without Jimmy, they're still going to score points. They, they still scored points with Nick Mullins. Now, there's other issues where Nick Mullins isn't going to – he's not going to run the offense as well. You know, he's not going to be the best. He, he's not as good of a player as Jimmy by any means. So I want to shut that down right away. If we get to a point where it's like, should we keep in Nick over Jimmy? It's like Cap and Alex Smith. I think you said that, Jake. It's like Cap and Alex yeah. Smith. No, it's not like Cap and Alex Smith at all. Nick Mullins is not that good. Cap was a second-round pick. Nick Mullins was undrafted. You know, this yeah. is, these are not similar guys. Jimmy is the quarterback. And even if Nick comes in and plays good, Jimmy will have his job back. I, I do not see a scenario where Nick is starting. Unless Nick comes out there and he literally looks like Tom Brady. <laughs> if, yeah, if that I mean, happens. He would, he would literally have to be throwing for like – 250 to 300 with like two to three TDs a week, no picks, throwing things into the bread basket from like 30 yards out, outside the numbers. Like there's just no situation where I don't see Jimmy getting his job back uh, when he's ready to go. Yeah, no, I, I entirely agree. But so, so this defense, I, yes, they're not going to be as good. Does this mean that they can't make a playoffs? No, I think they should make the playoffs still. I think that that is expected of this team, even with Jimmy out for four to six weeks. Um, also, I, t- I brought up the resilience, and I want to shift over to the offensive side a little bit. It's Kittle and Jimmy time. It is time for Jimmy to go, all right, it's go time. And I think that heading into this year, you know, week one, Jimmy did not look good. And I think we were very critical of him of, hey, he came out, he looked, like, nervous. I don't think we're going to see that anymore. Because it's not like a, oh, is Jimmy good enough? It's no, Jimmy has to carry this team kind of now without Bosa on defense, like without this defense being as good as it was. So I think that the pressure is not the same. It's, it's like change sort of where it's, I think Jimmy's, when he comes back, it's going to be like, all right, Jimmy, go. Like hit the ground running. And it's a very different approach to a like, oh, we have to be careful with Jimmy. Like we got to be okay, like careful with him. It's like, no, Jimmy, you got to go win. Like either you win or you don't. And that's going to – it can really, like, determine the future of Jimmy because and, – and I, and I like Jimmy a lot. 
but does Kyle? That's kind of the question. Does Kyle really love Jimmy? And it's kind of seemed like he doesn't. It, it has really seemed like he doesn't. He can prove he can prove this year. Like, no, I'm the dude. I came in. Uh, we made the playoffs. We won in the first round. We got knocked out in the second, but we didn't have this guy, this guy, this guy. And it's like Jimmy came in. He showed it. Also, Kittle. Kittle is one of the best players in the NFL. If Kittle can hang in there with Nick Mullins and he can deliver and they can deliver a couple wins and he can and he can do really well, he's just going to further establish him as himself as one of the best players in the league. He's already proven that, but it's those two guys' time on offense of like, hey, let's let's get it done. That that's kind of where I think about the offense right now. I will say this about Garoppolo: in two, basically a game and a half, he's got four touchdowns, no picks. You could say what you want about how he performed in the um, Arizona Cardinals game. He came away unscathed, zero interceptions. The turnover's down for him this year. Um, And he looked really, really confident yesterday in the Jets game. I mean, he's slinging the ball around. He was extending the play. And that's – I mean, that is really the key to a second-year quarterback – in Kyle Shanahan's offense, is he extending the plays and is he finding the open receivers downfield? And it did look a little bit like MVP Matt Ryan um, yesterday. I mean, being first off, being an absolute warrior, playing on in a high, you know, a high ankle sprain, just taping it up and saying, "Hey, throw me back out there. Let me go finish this half of football." And he did. And he had a really, really good passer rating. He was finding the open man downfield. And it's not like we were running the ball a ton. I mean, the the game plan coming in was, hey, like, let's attack through the air. And they did. He, I want to say he threw for over 200 yards passing in the first half. So could you imagine if he had stayed healthy throughout this whole game? I mean, that's easily over 300 yards passing in the whole game. He, he only had 131, but he was, four, he was okay. 14 of 16 for two touchdowns. He, it, he looked it, good. You know, it, it felt more dominant in my head than what it was, but still, I, I still think he would have eclipsed 300 yards with that game plan. Also, a um, couple things I want to bring up. Mullins is serviceable for sure. We've seen him. He's three and five as a starter, which is not great, but as a backup quarterback, your job is to get a few wins. So you're not expecting to go, you know, undefeated as a backup. Um, Kittle played really well with Mullins. uh, But, I mean, to be fair, Kittle plays well with everybody. And we still haven't seen Mohamed Sanu. Sanu basically played, like, nothing yesterday. He wasn't really a big factor on the field. Um, So if we see a a heavier dosage of Sanu, if Reed keeps doing what he's doing – uh, we're going to get Debo back if IU can make a big, bigger impact. I mean, this is going to be nasty. It's going to be a nasty, nasty offense. Yeah, I think that I want to say, let's see. Sanu had 13 snaps, so that's 21% of the snaps, no targets. He had more He had more snaps than Pettis. Pettis only had 10, also had no targets. Bourne had 45, Ayuk had 44, and Trent Taylor had 28. So Bourne, Ayuk. Debo, that's probably going to be the guys that are out there moving forward for the most part. But, man, I, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be interesting. I, th- I think Jimmy has a 
I don't think that there's a ton of stock to take away from the Jets game just because it is the Jets. Like, they are, they are a bad team. The Niners were so depleted, and they had, like, their twos in, and they're still kind of beating the crap out of the Jets, to be honest. Um, but Jimmy, man, Jimmy's also I, – I just saw a stat that he's 5-0 and now in games after he lost. Um, yeah. Obviously not counting the Super Bowl the week one, but I don't know why you would count that in a stat like that. But, but the big thing about Jimmy that I've always noticed is, like, he goes out, he throws a pick. What does he do? After he throws a pick, he lights it up. He looks so good after that stuff happens. When adversity hits, Jimmy Garoppolo has stepped to the plate every single time except for once. And I was in the Super Bowl, and if you go back and you watch the game, it is not – the loss was not on Jimmy. It wasn't. Like, he missed a throw. He missed a couple of throws. He also had a throw that was right to Kittle, game over probably, and it gets batted down by Chris Jones. And Chris Jones really just took that game over. Where it was more of like Jimmy didn't lose it. Chris Jones came in there and won it. Right. And if if you don't agree with that, I go. If you have Game Pass, go watch the Game Pass tape and just only watch Jimmy and just see like, okay, what is he doing? And it's like he looked like he he was doing his job, and, and so he is a resilient player. He steps up when is it when it's you know when there's adversity hitting, and him and Kittle like like I said, it's him and Kittle's time on offense, and they got to tear it up. We're going to see a lot of Ayuk. We're going to see a lot of Debo. This offense should still be great. Trent Williams is healthy still. I mean, hopefully he doesn't go. I don't want anyone going down, but they got a good set of tackles. The interior offensive line isn't that great. There are so many NFL teams where you go, oh, the interior offensive line doesn't look good. It's, it's basically every NFL team. Like 25 of the teams, it's like, oh, they have questions on the interior offensive line. So, like, to say, like, oh, the offensive line isn't that great, like, almost no offensive lines that are, like, really like really really good you know you see like a few dominant teams and and most of the teams like oh this guy he gets beat up so like comparatively to other teams like that's not that big of an issue but how does the defense step up do these linebackers get it done I think that they can I definitely think they can I think that we're gonna see that this is the year where Jimmy's gonna kind of is Jimmy the future of the 49ers because and I've been as big of an advocate for him as anyone I feel like but he can show it. He can prove this year, and he, there can be no questions moving forward if he comes out here and they win 10 games and he comes back early from the ankle or doesn't come back early, but he, like, steps up to the plate and they deliver in some big games. You know, they beat the Packers. They beat the Saints. They beat the Seahawks. They beat the Cardinals. Those, those games late in the season, that's, that's going to be where, where it really matters. You know, they, they're going to play the Cowboys, the Bills. I think, like, the last, like, five weeks of the year or six weeks of the year is – the Bills, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks are in that group. Yeah. That's when, that's when this season's going to be decided right there. Well, and, and I think you bring up a good point, is if there's any time in the season to be like decimated with injuries, it's right now because we're facing three consecutive teams who are 0-2, I believe. I know for a fact the Giants and Eagles are 0-2. I'm not sure about the Dolphins, but it would only make sense if they're 0-2. And then from that point on, we're facing some really, really good teams. We're facing the Rams, the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints, the Rams again, Buffalo. So that back half of the schedule is real, real heavy. But again, you look at the injuries, you'll have Blair back, you'll have Sherman back, you'll have Debo back, 
Uh, you'll get Jimmy back. Like you're, you're going to start getting, like I was saying earlier, reinforcements down the line. So if you can just survive these next three or four weeks, if you can go three and one, even two and two, um, you know, that's surviving at, at that point, right? Because then you're three and three and the toughest part of the schedule is coming up. There's seven playoff teams. You just got to go nine and seven. And this year it really doesn't matter because there's only one bye week and sure the bye week matters, but we started off 0 and 1. It was going to be hard from the jump to get that bye. Now it's, you know, really hard because of all the players we have. So at this point with COVID, you know, there's really not going to be a huge, huge um, difference in home field this season. Um, you, you might as well just get into the dance. It doesn't matter if you're the seven seed. It doesn't matter if you're the two seed. Um, obviously being the one seed is a massive advantage, but this year more than any year, I don't think it matters really about seeding. Oh yeah. And I mean, we've seen a lot of teams that are wild cards go on to win it. The, the team I always think of is the, the New York giants when they beat the Patriots twice. And they, they kind of remind me of the 49ers a little bit just of, I mean, Eli Manning was a solid quarterback, not top five. Kind of doesn't remind me of Jimmy. They don't really play similar, very similar at all. But they went on defensive line, and they would always be like, oh, they're good. I, I don't know. I just kind of think of that team. Like, that happens, and you just got to be built for the future. Um, and, and that before we get into the schedule, though, I, I want to ask you this, because I'm thinking about being built for the future. A lot of people on Twitter were talking about this is why the Niners should have signed Clowney. And I still disagree with that, even with Bosa going down. I, I don't like going after Clowney. If I'm the guy in a front office and I'm deciding, like, who, do, who are we going to try to acquire, Clowney is not going to be on that list. Yes, he's super athletic, but guess what? The verdict is out on Clowney. He's been in the league long enough. We know who the dude is. He, he's a no-show so often why would you pay this guy 15 million dollars and then affect the future of the team because i and i'm not going to get into the salary cap a lot i don't i don't entirely know how it works out but there is a rollover for the cap there's also might be a setback next year for the cap they want to get guys extended signing clowny i'm assuming is going to affect that those extensions why would you sign a guy like clowny for 15 million dollars when you can have in-house options, and this, this same exact thing happened last season when, when Akella went down against the Browns, and everyone's like, oh, my God, the season's going to be over. Emmanuel Mosley's going to have to step in. And they're like, no, dude, like, we're going to have the in-house options. That doesn't mean that Ziggy Ansah or, you know, <laughs> Eric Armstead and, and D4, like all these guys are going to be able to come in and go, yeah, we'll do it. Nick Bosa did. No, it doesn't mean that. But what's the difference of having those group of guys compared to having Clowney? I don't think it's that far off. I don't think that the production is going to be that much different. And I don't like these bold moves of like, oh, let's just let's get Clowney. Like this is why we should have Clowney. Like they don't want Clowney. Like there's no re like this is a team that's super tight. Fred Warner in his post game interview said like, this is one of the t I, he goes I've only been in one place that I can only assume that there aren't locker rooms. Most locker rooms aren't as tight as our locker room is. 
And he said, like, it's next man up. Everyone's got to step up. He said, like, I got to step up, you know, and, and that's how they're built. I was never pro clowny. And I know a lot of people were like, this is why you need clowny. You need the depth. I completely disagree with that. And I just kind of wanted to get that out there. And, and I get, I get what people are coming from. I just don't agree with that. And I was kind of wondering, Jake, are you a pro clowny guy? Or are you a no on clowny? Well, I will say um, I am a bit of a pro. I was a pro clowny guy and I still kind of am, uh, but it's easier to say that now because hindsight's 2020 and, you know, you look at um, Bosa injury. And so it's so easy to be like, Oh man, you know, we should have gotten clowny. Uh, I was even bigger on Everson Griffin because I felt like he was a vet, uh, you know, and he's a good rusher. Um, but I mean, what you're saying, it, it does make perfect sense. You know, there's, there's a couple ways you can supplement a guy going down. And that's either you get one guy on your team to step up, multiple guys on your team to step up, or you bring someone from the outside, like we're kind of doing it right now with Ziggy Ansah and hoping that he supplements um, some of his ability. Now, Nick Bosa is a freak. Um, we all know last season, the interception, the forced fumbles, the sacks. I mean, you can't supplement that to a T, but if we can get, you know, a fraction of that, if we can get maybe, you know, half of that kind of production or a little over half, you'll take that out of your group of guys. Whereas opposed to when you sign a guy like Clowney, not only is the microscope bigger on a guy like that and there's more pressure on him um it it also puts more pressure on the team in general because now it's not oh look at that d-line you know they're super banged up um you know and ford's gone and you know there's no expectations now i feel like people have given up hope on the defense and and the niners kind of like that whereas if you had a guy like Clowney. Now it's, oh, well, they'll be fine. They have Clowney. You know, that, that's a ridiculous defensive line. Now there's no expectations again. So um, while I was and in, in kind of still am the, the pro Clowney and, and pro Everson Griffin pathway, I, I don't hate this. Uh, I, I think it will work out. I just think um, when you get into the dog days of the season, how is it going to pan out? Is there not going to be enough depth there? Are we going to be too banged up? Because – all it takes is a couple more, you know, season enders and this line is pretty ravaged, but you know, crossing our fingers, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, I, I like what you had to say there. And I think maybe the bigger issue is like, okay, Ford has a lot of injury concerns. Armstead's he's been injured multiple times throughout his career. Last season he was healthy. And of course I hope all these guys are healthy. Even Ken Law's had a couple injury injury questions like throughout his career. Um, but I don't know. I'm just not a, I'm not a big clowny guy. Like he's, and the Niners have been big on like how they build the locker room and stuff. And I think it's worked well. Why change that formula? Why try to sacrifice stuff for the future? If it's a guy that you don't even really think is that worth it. There's a reason clowny wasn't signed that long. I do like the, I would have liked the Everson Griffin stuff. I'm assuming that they just felt like they didn't have a, like a true spot for him, like a place for him to be in. And they felt like the other options were better or at least more worth it. So not really big on that. I, I just wanted to get through that real quick and kind of to wrap this episode up, I want to talk about this schedule moving forward. The Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously the Nick Bosa injury, all these injuries, you don't want them. If you're going to have your quarterback sprain his ankle, this was the perfect time to have that happen. So 
moving forward, Jimmy Garoppolo's injury is expected to be four to six weeks. It's a high ankle sprain. He's a quarterback. There's a chance he comes back before. I've heard that from a couple sources. Now, we don't know when he's going to come back, but let's just go through the next six weeks real quick, and I want to just show you that the schedule is not as bad as it really, really could be if this was a couple weeks later. Next week, the Giants, Saquon Barkley just tore his knee. I think maybe they have one other good player on their team, and that's probably Darius Slayton, maybe a couple guys on defense. But this is probably the worst team in the league. Them or the Jets. Those, the two New York teams are absolutely atrocious. So you have them. Then you have the Eagles. The Eagles are 0-2. The Eagles don't look good. They, they do not look good. That's a Sunday night football game. I don't think there's like a – I mean, I think that the Niners are probably going to be underdogs in that game with Nick Mullins. But let's just not chalk that one up as a loss. Like, they can definitely win that. Then the next week is going to be against the Dolphins, and the 49ers with Nick Mullins should still win that game. So that's the first three. The next three are going to be against the Rams. It's a tough matchup. That's Sunday Night Football. Then the Patriots. Then the Seahawks. I think that there is a good chance that they play pretty well over this stretch. Do you kind of feel the same way, Jake? Because I think that – I don't know. I feel like there's a great chance that they do. Yeah, I mean, at least those first three games, I think, like I was saying earlier, the expectation should be two and one. I mean, that's that should be the, you know, the minimum that they go there. Three and oh, like I was saying, I mean, you would be real happy three and oh. Um, I would be pretty surprised if we went one and one and two or oh and three in that stretch, just because of how bad those rosters are now. Could it happen? Absolutely. You get deflated after injury. Maybe a couple more guys go down. Maybe Kittle's not back when he needs to be back. Maybe Ford's not back. It's, it's possible. But at this point, I'm predicting two and one. That's my prediction. And I do have a hot take. Jimmy Garoppolo back by week seven to beat Bill Belichick's ass. That's my hot take. He wants to prove Bill Belichick wrong. He's going to say, hey, take Cam and shove it. I'm the right guy. <laughs> okay, I have, I have one thing I just want to say real quick. So this is kind of my, my summary of our episode. So there's no doubt that the Super Bowl chances have been severely detrimented, but the 49ers are still in a very, very strong position to make the playoffs, in my opinion. The biggest, the biggest issue is going to be how did the other teams in the division perform? So, so everybody, let's, let's root hard against the Rams, Cardinals, and Seahawks for the rest of the year. So I'm expecting them to head into Seattle with Jimmy back. Maybe he'll come back before, so that's one week after you, at four and three. And I think that's a great place to be for the playoffs, a great position to have a chance to make it. Absolutely. Uh, I, hope, I hope 10 and six is achievable. Um, I think 10 and six guarantees you a spot in the playoffs, especially with this expanded format, nine and seven um, wouldn't be ideal, especially for defending NFC champs. Um, But you know what? Nine and seven, 10 and six. That is at this point, I think the range we should be shooting for, uh, especially in our division where there is very legitimately a chance we get, all four teams in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jake, I feel like that's probably a good spot to wrap it up. But if, if you listen to this episode, 
Give us a rating and review if you're listening on Apple. Also, let us know what you think. I think four and three, if for the fan base, like we should be ecstatic if we're four and three heading into Seattle. I think that's a perfect place to be. So if you agree, let us know. Let us know in the review. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, Jake, thanks for having you coming on again. And hopefully the 49ers can continue to be resilient through this Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch regime.